But I need everyone to do me a favor real quick. Everyone just take a deep breath. Okay, breathe out. All right, I needed that. I need that. That was for me. That was for me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, when we, when we address this a topic like this, uh, especially on a day like Valentine's Day, there's a lot of things that go through our minds. And it's a very real fear that we have. So uh, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about fears. We, we've talked about the fear of not mattering, uh, the fear of failure, fear of life's final moments. And then last week, we, we talked about the fear of global disaster and, uh, and, and that it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go down before we go up. This week, we're going to face a fear that I think is huge, that is big time. And, and like, like Shelly uh, Shelly told me when she walked off stage, I was like, why was everyone laughing like that? Tell me what she said. And I was like, man, it is so true. That is, that is our first reaction. And, and, the, and the thing about it is that the betrayal is so hurtful. It's so emotionally tied. Like there, there's so much invested in it. Because it's, it, doesn't come from, it doesn't come from someone that you really don't care about. It, it comes from those that you love. I was looking at a study from Pennsylvania State University, and they found that emotional betrayal is distressing 74% of women and 47% of men they surveyed. That's huge, right? I mean, that's, that's a big deal. It is, it is affecting us. It, it distresses us. It's causing pain. Have you guys ever felt betrayed by someone you love? We all have. We, we, we can think of the moment. I mean, a lot of times it's our spouse or our friend or... You know, someone that we're, that we're really close to. And it's so real because we, we've just all experienced this. Think about this. There, there, there's this, maybe you guys have heard of this. There's a Desert Storm shoulder, uh, several years back now, Desert Storm. Um, and, uh, he received a letter from his girlfriend. And in that, in that letter, she, she writes him saying, uh, can, will you please send back the photo of me? I want to put it in, uh, <laughs> the newspaper for my engagement picture. Yeah, that hurts, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about, betrayal, it's a stab to the back. And, uh, man, this guy, was, this guy was deserted. He was rejected. He, he, was, he was alone. He was all by himself. The poor soldier, was, he was completely devastated. So all the other soldiers uh, came together and they heard about this. So what they did was they went around to all the soldiers and uh, all the guys through pictures of their girlfriends. And they filled up a shoebox of pictures. And, and, and he mailed it to the, to the girl with a, a note from him saying, I, I don't, I'm not sure which one you are. So, so please, please pick out the one that's yours and send the rest back. Because for the life of me, I just can't remember. You know, that's, that's the thing about betrayal. It is so, it, it, it is so in your face. And, and sometimes, like, when betrayal happens, you just feel like you have to do something. You, you'll do whatever it takes to save face. Because in that moment, that's kind of what the soldier did. All the soldiers, they, they couldn't bear to see one of theirs hurt. So they did whatever it took to save face. I want to read you a quote from uh, Max Lucado. This is from his book, uh, the angels were silent. Sandpaper kisses placed on your cheek, a promise made with fingers crossed. You look to your friends, and your friends don't look back. 
You look to the system for justice, and the systems look to you as a scapegoat. You are betrayed, bitten with a snake's kiss. It's more than rejection. Rejection opens the wound. Betrayal pours the salt. It's more than loneliness. Loneliness leaves you cold. Betrayal shuts the door in your face. It's more than mockery. Mockery plunges the knife. Betrayal twists it. It's more than an insult. An insult attacks your pride. Betrayal breaks your heart. Betrayal can only be done to those that are close to us. Check out what, uh, what David wrote in Psalms. It says, Even my close friends, whom I have trusted, he who shares my bread has lifted his heel against me. It is happening to our friends. Betrayal only happens from those that love us or that you love. They're the only ones that have that bearing to, to pull that on us. Today we're going we're gonna to look at some stories in the Bible. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you brought your Bible today. And if you, if you did, uh, you can go ahead and open up to Matthew 26. It's in the New Testament of the Bible, the first book of the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way into the Bible. If, uh, if you don't have a Bible, on your way out today, grab one. At the, we have Bibles on the, both entryways. Just grab one today, take one home with you. We want you to have a Bible as a gift from us. So I want to give you a little bit of background about what's going on right now. This is the, the story basically of uh, a week before uh, Jesus dying on the cross. This is uh, the story uh, about what events happened in the, in the weeks prior to that. And, and Jesus is basically spending a lot of time with the twelve or, or the disciples. Uh, you know, and, and, and going through all this, I, I think that when, when I was looking through this, that there's three stories that take place. And we're going to kind of work our way through those three stories because I think that all three stories have some betrayal in them. So, so the first story in this is the disciples' story. All right, this is a group of guys that were hanging with Jesus all the time. I mean, I mean, at, at this point, they've been they've been spending time with Jesus for three years of their life. You think about it when when you're hanging around with someone for three years, you know everything about them. You become buddy buddy. You know what things to to poke at. You know what things to go against. You, you get it. And, and this is, the, the, the disciples came like this tight posse. It was like this crew that went everywhere together, did everything together, and they were all about it. And, uh, and, and what happens is that these, these apostles start to get a little antsy. That's, that's the best way to describe it. Let's, let's check it out. Let's, let's take a look. In uh, Matthew 26, we'll start in, uh, in verse, verse 40. All right, verse 40 says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch for me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The disciples' story is one of fatigue. I mean, these guys have been going nonstop for pretty much three years, just going everywhere with Jesus. They've been traveling all over the place, and, and they're exhausted. They are tired. They are worn out. So the disciple story is, is one of exhaustion. It's, it's, it's one of fatigue. But, but check out what happens because they finally awake. You know, they're, they're sleeping there and Jesus is just saying, just stay up and pray. And, and they fall asleep and they're finally woken up when a crowd of people come to arrest Jesus. Uh, 
I have a little story that uh, recently happened to Abby and I. Uh, a, a couple, about a month ago, um, we, we heard some noise coming from what we thought were the kids' room. And, and Abby got up because I was just like, I'm, it's not happening tonight, you know. All right. She tried to kick me a couple times, but it didn't work. Um, so she got up and, and went out. And, and she started walking around, and she notices the back door is wide open. All right, if you know if you know my wife, all right, everything is locked before we go to bed. The alarm set on her house, but the door for some reason was wide open. So she comes to me in panic and fear, and she says, "Brad, you got to wake up. The back door is open. Someone's in the house." Okay, freaking out at this point, I, I I sleep with a mag light next to my bed. I grab that mag light and I start running around the house. Yeah, you guys, I, I won't give you any imagery here, but. I had little clothes on. So I was running around the house looking for what we thought would be an intruder. And I, and, and I, ran, I ran in and ran out. And, and what I wanted to do, honestly, I just wanted to grab my kids and my wife and run out the front door, jump in the truck, and let's go. We'll come back in a few hours. Let them take what they want. But, but something inside of me also wanted to be manly and to, to show, like, be manly for my wife and kids and protect them and, so I'm, I'm out there with a the flashlight, scared, full of fear, a little, a little bit of uh, anxiety going on. I walk around the house looking. We ended up not finding anything. But I wonder if that feeling of running was, was something of what the disciples, disciples were going to feel. Check out what happens uh, a little bit later on in verse uh, 55. It's still in Matthew 26. At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, I'm, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has taken place that the writings of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. They dipped. <laughs> they ran out of there. Yeah, this is, this is what I'm thinking, is that they woke up and they were overwhelmed with fear in the moment. They, they, they woke up to soldiers, you know, carrying weapons and, uh, and torches. And, and you can only imagine the fear and the adrenaline that was running through their veins. And, and more than likely, they were surrounded, like the soldiers surrounded them to block them all in. And what happens is that when they had the opportunity, they ran. They got out of there. Just like I felt in my story, I wanted to run. I bet they felt a lot like that too. The disciples betrayed Jesus because of fatigue and because of fear. They were just scared. Betrayal happens sometimes in the smallest ways. And they all just ran out of there when Jesus was arrested. They got out of there. The next story I want to look at is, uh, is Peter's story. And Peter was pretty much the spokesman of the, of the apostles. He was like the go-to guy. He was the guy that always had something to say. When, when there was a question asked, he was the one that raised his hand. He was the first one to answer. And uh, in, in, in this, uh, he, he was the, the first one to speak up when Jesus told them, you are all going to fall away and desert me tonight. Jesus told them this, and he was the one that spoke up. So let's find out what he said. And, and this is still in chapter 26, but it's back in verse 33. So Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. 
I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Listen to this. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And then all the other disciples said the same thing. Did you hear how many times he used the word I? He used it all the time. Like He, he just kept saying, I will never do this. Even if all fall away, I won't do this. I mean, I, I picture Peter doing this. Like he's, he's with the twelve, you know, and Jesus is there. And they're in this safe environment. He's looking around at, at those guys. And think about this. He, he's like friends with these guys. He looks around and says, all right, Jesus, even if these guys like all, all disown you, I'm not going to do that. Seriously, like, look at these guys. They may dip out. I'm going to be here no matter what. Even if I have to die with you, I'm right here. I think that in Peter's story, some of the, some of the betrayal happens because he just becomes arrogant. He gets a little bit too much I. It becomes too much about me in that moment. I think, I think really honestly in the moment, I think Peter really means this because it was, it was safe. It was comfortable for him to say that. I mean, we've been in situations where it was easy to say something, but in our minds we're thinking, man, if we're ever faced with that situation, that's going to be extremely tough. And most of the time when we're thinking about fear, and, and as we have been in the last few weeks, uh, I, I know in our life group the discussion came up uh, at one point, uh, how would you handle in this situation? And most of the time it was easy to say something, but when you got down to thinking about it, it was a little more difficult to do. Because you don't, you don't change when you see the light. You change when you feel the heat. When the heat of the moment is on you, that's when, that's when change happens. That's when you start to shift your mindset, is when the heat is on you. So let's, uh, let's take a look at that, because uh, Satan loves to find a way to wedge to wedge whatever he can to separate you, to get you in that moment of heat and put the pressure on. That's what, that's what it's all about. So, so check this out. Let's, let's skip ahead. And this is where Peter's story kind of unfolds. And this is uh, Matthew 26, starting in verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were, were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before all of them. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went, to the gate, uh, went out to the gateway where another girl saw him. And she said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it with an oath. I, do not, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there were up, uh, went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Luke, uh, Luke records something that I think is, is very crucial. And I, I think that we have to look at this in his, his recording of this. In, uh, in, in Luke chapter 22, verse 61, it says, um, In that moment, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words the Lord spoke to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. You know, at that moment, in God's perfect timing, Jesus just happened to be uh, heading out from Caiaphas' house. 
And in God's timing, Peter's eyes and Jesus' eyes met. I don't know about for you, but I can just picture this, and that gives me chills right there. Because you know when you betrayed someone and you're caught in that moment, that can be really disturbing. And I, and I, don't, think, I don't think Jesus was having like the I told you so moment. Like, ha, ha, yeah, Peter, see, I told you. Why didn't you just listen to me? No, I think he was, he was looking at Peter, disappointed, because he had just been betrayed by a friend. This was the same guy that drew a sword. When, when the soldiers came to arrest Peter, or arrest Jesus, Peter was the one that drew the sword and cut off one of the soldiers' ears. He was brave and courageous, fearless. But in that moment, the pressure was on. He felt the heat. The fire was right there. And what happened? He was consumed with fear. His arrogance. And he was intimidated. He was was brave with the soldier, but he cowered with the little girl. I find that kind of ironic, you know? He was brave with the one that was all tough and had the armor on, but a little girl came to him. And he cowered with fear. So Peter's story is one of arrogance and intimidation. He betrayed Jesus because he said, I will never disown you. I will never disown you. The next story in, the, in this, and when we're looking at Matthew 26, and, and this is the one that comes to mind when, whenever, you're, whenever you're talking about betrayal, it's Judas the betrayer. And, and everyone gets drawn to Judas in that moment and, and thinks about his story. But, but I think it's important, before we look at the betrayal of, of Judas and what he did to Jesus, I think that we, it's important that we understand that, that Judas was one of Jesus' closest friends. That it, it, through, through studies, they have shown that at the Last Supper, you know, John sat at the right hand of Jesus, but Judas was on the left hand of Jesus. And that, and that, and culturally, that was that was a place saved for an intimate friend. That was a place reserved for someone very close to you, the left hand. Found it ironic, because so many of us have experienced that kind of pain from someone that was so close, just like Jesus does. But yet, this person that was so close to Jesus, how many of you guys have have thought, man, uh, we should name our son or daughter Judas? Okay, Abby, Abby and I are, you know, going through names right now for a baby due in April, and never once has the name Judas been brought up. For, for whatever reason, you just don't want to name your child after someone that is famous for the betrayal of Jesus. And uh, if anyone's named Judas out there, I apologize for that. So, all right. I just had to put that disclosure statement out. All right, let's 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 go to the story, and, I, and we actually have to go back a little bit um, to look at uh, Judas's story because it, it it starts a little bit beforehand with a choice. Matthew twenty six verse fourteen. Then one of the twelve, the one that was called Judas Aristocrat, went to the chief priest and asked, "What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you?" So they counted out for him thirty silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. You know, betrayal is really a choice. 
Judas had a choice. He even weighed out his options. Did you see that? Judas weighed out his options. He said, how much, well, how much are you going to give me if I, if I do this? And they counted it out. And, uh, and I, I did some research on this, this 30 pieces of silver thing. That was about the cost of what a slave would be at the time. So he betrayed Jesus for the cost of a slave. Pretty crazy. But Judas had some struggles. In, in John, in his gospel that he wrote, he actually records some detail about Judas helping himself to the money bag. Judas had a love for money. And I think, uh, I think that Judas becomes kind of a, an example of, of this because no one can serve two masters, as Jesus himself said. You've got to choose. You've got to choose. This is what he's an example of. Check out, in, in back in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 16, uh, verse 26. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet he forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And Judas is like a poster child for that. Because he's about to forfeit his soul. For what? 30 pieces of silver? He made his choice. He chose the money. He chose money, and, and it was time to deliver. So let's go, let's go to that. In uh, verse 47, in chapter 26 in Matthew, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the, high, uh, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. Typically a greeting of honor and trust. Judas uses a kiss to betray Jesus. I get, I get really, I, I, this, this was really hard for me. When, when I was studying through this, I was struggling with this verse over and over again because I feel like, you know, we are right there. When Jesus replied to him, friends, do what you came for, a million things start running through my mind about how many times I've placed idols before Jesus. How many times that I have been in that moment and chose money. I chose another idol over Jesus. How many times have we been there? Friends, do what you came for. Story, the story of Judas is really about two masters. It is a struggle of idols. He betrays because eventually the love of money supersedes the love for Jesus. We all have our idols, don't we? So the question is, what's your story? You know, I, I wonder I wonder because we've all we've all been we've all had this moment of betrayal. We've all been affected by betrayal in one way or another. We've all been in that situation 
where a, a friend, a loved one, stabs us in the back and it hurts. Because it is so deep emotionally, it hurts so bad. Maybe, maybe for you it was a, a business deal that you decided to go to partner with one of your friends. And things were going really good. But, but one of you started to struggle and, and wanted more, more power, more authority, more money. Maybe for you, you got stiffed by a friend. Maybe for you, it was your spouse. You know, you stood before friends and family and before God and made promises. You made promises that, that you'll be with them for good and for bad. Maybe it's, maybe it's you're a child and you've been in the situation with your parents. They promise you, hey, we'll play ball soon or we'll do this. And they never follow through with what they say. It's a promise not kept. It's a friendship that's broken. It's the lies that are told. Betrayal. And we're left, we're left with fear. When, when we face all this betrayal and we think about the things that affect us, we're left in fear. And that is an all-consuming, all... Everything comes down on you in that moment. You feel like you can't breathe because the fear has consumed you. And there's only, there's only one way to overcome. There's only one way to be set free from from all these fears that we've been talking about the last few weeks, and the fear of betrayal, there's only one way to overcome these things. It's through Jesus. And, and again, I, I feel like in this moment, like I, I'm Peter giving you a safe answer, giving you the, the Jesus, because it's comfortable right here. I'm, I'm in a setting where that's, that's comfortable for me to say. But we have to ask ourselves, is Jesus setting us free? Or are we choosing idols, kind of like Judas? Are we doing things to put Jesus down so He can not set us free from the bondage of fear? And I think that there's something greatly different between Peter and Judas. Yeah, they were both disciples. Yeah, they were both good friends of Jesus. But there's one thing that's, that's a big difference. Through the betrayal, Peter had endless hope. He held on to it. He still remained hopeful. Judas, somewhere along his disillusioned mind, he decided that there was no hope. That Jesus was coming to an end. And there was going to be nothing after he died. Judas decided there was no hope. Peter decided to have never-ending hope. I think it's very important that as we look at fears and as we look at betrayal, I think this is, this is probably the biggest moment right here of what I'm about to talk to you about. It's that in, after Jesus' resurrection, He forgave Peter. He forgave Peter. In the book of John, John actually records Jesus asking Peter three times, Do you love me? 
And three times Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus allowed Peter to verbally confirm his love for Jesus. Maybe that's you today. Maybe it's time for some forgiveness to take place. Maybe it's time for some restoration to happen. And maybe just like Peter, it's time for you to be set free. Maybe it's time for forgiveness and restoration in your story. Check this out. You don't have it. You need it. You do have it. You need more of it. You withhold it. Take it. Might as well forget it. To get it, you have to give it. And you may think you don't need it now, but you do. Pretty soon, you'll be begging for it. Not that that's a requirement. Because you can get it without asking for it. And you can give it without being asked. Sometimes it's hardest thing you'll do. But when you do, it's worth it. Because we need to give it as much as we need it ourselves. After all, He gives it to us. Forgiveness. It's everything. So let today be a start of forgiveness and restoration in your story. God, I just, uh, I just praise you that you sent Jesus to die on a cross, God. And I, I rejoice in the fact that we can look at these stories of betrayal and, and see how our lives relate to them. God, I just pray that you would uh, allow us to forgive those that have betrayed us. But God, I, I pray that we'd ask for forgiveness for those that we've betrayed. On this day of love, God, I pray that we would we would embrace the love that you had for us and that you've set us free. In Jesus' name, amen.